0: So as uh, as Pastor John Barber had stated, I've grown. I grew up in this church, and uh, and then my wife and I met each other at Bible College, and it felt like things just kind of escalated from there. We got we got married just over eleven years ago. And then uh, the Lord just opened up doors for us to go up, out and take a, a church out in Pennsylvania, New Freedom, Pennsylvania. If you're looking for that on a map, you won't find it. It's a little dot. Uh, and uh, I don't even know if there's a dot that actually represents our, our little town, uh, but it's uh, the place that we call home and minister to. And uh, it's just neat to see what God has done there. And uh, when, when Pastor John Barber called about doing the church camp, at first I was, I was thinking he was talking about a youth camp. And then it it changed. As we were talking on the phone, obviously, you clarified what what you meant by that. I didn't know what the church camp was. Um, But I was so glad to be able to have that opportunity. And I started even praying on the phone. I hate to admit this. You know, you're still in the conversation there. And I was just asking, the Lord, you know, Lord, would you want me to do this? Or what would you want me to say? And as I was just thinking about that, um, and and he was kind of explaining what it's about and and the different aspects of, of church camp and just the number of preaching opportunities... And the Lord brought to mind this particular sermon series that I've done in our church as well. And uh, it's, it really has been something uh, I, would, I would love to say that um, uh, I, we'll, we'll talk about all the different aspects of this, but it's, it's spiritual gifts, as he just opened the slide for us there. You can turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. And um, out there, being a pastor, of, it, was a, it was just a small... Uh, church out there when we first uh, got out there there 's probably twenty five to thirty people um, in the church, uh, just a smaller church and uh, but it was it was a great opportunity. Um, I, I really enjoyed the opportunity. There were some struggles, there were some hardships there were things that were hard along with it um, but some of the hardship was just me growing and me learning and uh, I feel like for the first like five or six years, it was just about. My growth. It wasn't necessarily about the church as, as a whole. Obviously, I tried to minister and be effective uh, as possible. But I feel like the Word really uh, grew me through that time and really brought me to a place where, as I looked at our church as a whole, um, uh, the Word just kind of brought me to this place where, uh, in Matthew 16:18, it says, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." And it's a it's a promise. It's a truth. And of course, we look in our day and age and we look around at churches and we're like, uh, I've, I've heard from many of churches, churches are on decline, you know? People are, are trying not to lose people, you know? It's not about growth, it's just about retaining what you have. And so that verse really just impacted me. I remember just starting myself personally, the Lord challenged me with it and I started to pray that verse for our church. I said, God, you're the one that builds your church. That's what you said. It's not about me. It's not about somebody else. He says, I will build my church. That's what Jesus Christ said. And I said, well, you know, you said you will do this. So I just started asking for him to do that. And of course, then it gets into the how does that occur? What does that look like? And through a a process of time, I'm I'm condensing all this for us here tonight, but through a process of time, uh, basically the Lord led me to this in particular, this aspect of how God builds his church through his people. You know, the pastor can only do so much. Do you know that? Pastor John Barber only has 24 hours in a day just like everybody else. I know, it's, it's a shock for some of you. I know. This is a revelation because you thought he had 48 hours a day whereas everybody else has 24. But it's not true. And so I, I, as I was looking over that and thinking about that and I, I, I was reading through Ephesians 4 as well talking about how God builds his church... Through his people. And it really, for for me, as I I went through, and I'm trying to give you an overview of what we're going to look at throughout our time, not just here tonight, but as I went through this process where I started to just dig into these spiritual gifts, I had never heard, okay, this is just me, I had never heard uh, that I recall, it probably was preached on but I wasn't paying attention, but I don't remember uh, or took in anything about spiritual gifts. I think that's something that we tend to kind of like uh, navigate away from, because when we talk about spiritual gifts, everybody talks about uh, uh, speaking in tongues, or there's all sorts of other, other things, and I'm not going to get into completely into that. If you have questions on that, you can talk to Pastor Barber, so I will refer that back to him, because there'll be plenty of other things that we discuss and what we talk about. Um, outside of some of those what we might call more uh, uh, spiritual, the sign gifts of sorts. Um, so I will direct you back to Pastor Barber for those. I can talk to you personally as well, but we won't be talking about those kind of uh, spiritual gifts. Instead, the passage in Romans 12 is what we're going to focus on through the week. And really what it did for me is um, it challenged my perspective. Number one, it challenged me in this way. Um, when, when I was there at the church... I remember there was a a time in my life when I was like, okay, we need this Sunday school class over here. You know, we we have a couple kids. We need this Sunday school class over here. And I remember asking a few people in a congregation that I thought were spiritually adept, they could could teach and whatever. And so I kind of challenged them, asked them, hey, would you uh, teach this Sunday school class? You know, would you do this thing? And I got back from everybody. Uh, Basically, no, we don't want to, you know, there's various excuses, right, Uh, or whatever. Um, but, and, and it kind of disheartened me because I was like, ah, well, I can't be in two places at once. You know, this is occurring the same time something else is occurring. I can't do these two things at once. Um, but as I went through that uh, experience, the Lord really used that and, and what else I'm describing to be able to bring me to this point where I realized that not everybody has the same spiritual gifts. Now, we're going to talk about that. We're going to explain that a lot more. I'm going to go through a lot more about that. Um, not everybody has the same spiritual gifts, but God does give gifts to his body. If you here tonight have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a part of the body of Christ. You may or may not be a part of this local assembly. Okay? I don't know, as I look around, I don't know who here is a visitor and who here is, uh, has been here for a while, who here has joined or who here has not joined. I don't know any of those details, and so you'll have to excuse me for some of those things. Um, but uh, with that, as, I, as, we, as we discuss that, whoever has trusted Christ is a part of the body of Christ. And if you are a part of the body of Christ, God has given to you spiritual gifts. Really, that's going to be our first uh, talk as we, as we look through this. I'm already getting ahead of myself as I want to kind of explain this, but I'm trying to give you a little bit of an overview of the entire series because what we're going to do is really dive into the spiritual gifts as a whole and kind of expound those over a process of time for myself, I just took my Bible and went through it to be able to understand what God says when He's talking about these spiritual gifts. I remember I didn't, I didn't follow any particular books. In fact, I purposely didn't, I didn't want to look at any other curriculum at all. I just, God's Word, what did it have to say about these things? And as I went through that, it's like God kind of turned on a light switch for me. And the light switch was this, is there are other people in the body of Christ. And really, my my goal as a leader, according to Scripture, is to actually call out in those individuals and to encourage and to challenge them to be what God has already equipped them to be. Now, I'm going to go on a little, little rant here. Pastor Barber did not bring me here to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Pastor Barber cannot do everything. Now, maybe some of you think he can't do anything. I don't know. But he can't do everything. There are certain gifts that God has given to him, and there's going to be certain, certain, certain lack even of what God has given to him. There's going to be um, holes in, in the spiritual gifting uh, rounding out, and God undoubtedly has put or is putting other people around him that can help out with those particular things. So, as I went through this entire thing, and again, I'm trying to trying to uh, uh, briefly explain this, but as I went through this uh, experience, as I understood and went through what the scripture teaches about these spiritual gifts, what it caused me to do is cause me to ask for God to send the gifts to our church that I thought we needed. That was it. It was I mean, it, it, it wasn't this watershed moment of like, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. It really just led me. It led me to a point of prayer. And we're going to look at that here in 1 Corinthians 12 because it's God that puts the gifts in the body of Christ as it pleases Him. And it led me to start praying for our church. In fact, I believe the, the first gift that we needed that we were lacking desperately was just ministers, just servants, just people that would be willing to do things. That was First. And I remember starting to pray about that and and just asking God. And I would love to say that I spent long hours in prayer, that I just fasted. I'd love to just have this wonderful testimony about me, but it's not about me. Really, it's about God. I think God looked down from heaven and saw that, yes, this church needs those gifts. And I just remember over, over... It didn't all happen on one Sunday, but over a process of time, there were just people that just started coming. God just started adding people to His church, people that were just willing to do things, that wanted... To do things. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then we got to a point where I was like, okay, we, we've got too many people wanting to do things. We don't have no, we have nobody directing them what to do. Okay. And so it started to lead me through this process. And we're still, as a church, we're still going through this process where I continually look at our church and say, what are the gifts that we need as a church? Where are we lacking as a church? And just pray about that and ask God to do what only God can do in the hearts and lives of His people to activate and encourage them to do what He's called them to do. So, I've gotten way ahead of myself and given you an overview of almost everything that we're going to discuss, but it, it was awesome because what we, what we saw over just a period of a few years is a small church of 25, 30 people, and thankfully, by God's grace and God's grace alone, and really the activation of the spiritual gifts. The church has grown to 80, almost 90 people that come on a regular basis. It's almost tripled, and it's not. And again, I'd like to say, I'd like to stand up here as a preacher and be like, "Yes, it was my preaching. <laughs> I am a wonderfully in-depth preacher. I'm, I'm very, I'm very surface and just to the point. I'm really not. I mean, I like to get the nitty-gritties in there, and I like to really dig down deep, but I don't often bring that out in a message. I just kind of tell you, look, this is what God has done in my heart." This is what God is saying in his word and this is what we need to do. And so really, um, as I go through that and as I uh, kind of just bring out that uh, experience as a whole, it's just neat to see what God has done and what God continues to do. There are times at which I just stop. In fact, I feel like it's to the point now where God's doing such a work uh, in our church that like Katie and I are almost like just extras. We're just, sometimes we show up and everything's already done and people have already done it. It's like, Like, what am I here for? Which is a great feeling for a pastor because then I can go do the other things that maybe God wants me to do as well. It, it, It takes that burden off and shares it. But not only does it share it, and it's not about, this is not a scheme about trying to get you all to do more work. In fact, you all won't have an opportunity to truly experience Christ as you ought to in a relationship with him if you're not using the spiritual gifts that God has given to you. If you're not using those spiritual gifts, you're you're stunted in your own spiritual growth. God has saved you not just to give you a home in heaven when you die, okay? And I praise God because that would be plenty and enough. But God has saved you and equipped you so that here and now you can make an impact on people's lives in whatever way God has gifted you to do that may not necessarily be that you're the one actively out there talking or speaking to somebody, but maybe you're doing things in the background to enable others to do that. And really the picture that we see here in 1 Corinthians 12 that I'm going to start reading for us here shows us that picture as a whole. Shows us that the body of Christ is diverse. Yes, we all have one goal, but it's diverse. The gifts that God has given to the, to the church are diverse. They're multitude. you see these... Different things up there, I think you guys see the same thing I I do. Perhaps you can't read it very well because it is smaller font. But all the different gifts and lists of gifts throughout God's Word. Now, we're only going to focus on a few of those because really we can spend tons of time on just, just a small list, and we will throughout the week. But there's so much in God's Word about this, and it really, for me in particular, it really challenged me because God wants to do a work not just through one person but through all of us. You know, God wants to use the gifts that he's already given to you. And it's, it's, uh, it's the most enjoyable part of our, our Christian lives. I think sometimes as Christians, uh, another little rant and rave here, uh, as Christians, sometimes we can only emphasize the don't, 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 stop, 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 stop. Don't do this. Stop doing that. And In our Christian lives, and sometimes in our Christian circles, we can maybe get to the point where we're very negative in our Christian life. And, and we get to this point where we're like, okay, I'm just going to sit here in the corner because there's nothing else I can do. Like, I'm stuck here. But you know what this is? Is God has saved us for something. He has a purpose and a plan. And it's awesome. It's, it's more awesome than you can fully understand and realize right now sitting there. And if you're not active in the ministry that God has called you to be in, whether it's here or wherever, then you're missing out you're missing out. God has a lot to do, and he wants to do that through each and every one of us, not just your pastor, pastor's wife, and a select group of people here at Ann Arbor Baptist Church. All right, let's look at God's Word. Sorry, I just wanted, I got a little excited there, so let's come back here. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read a rather lengthy uh, portion of Scripture here, so follow along, if you would, in verse 12, and we'll read down through. I don't know if it'll be the end of the chapter here. I'll read down through a little ways. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says this. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So there's a cohesive, a unity, a unity, a, um, the church of Jesus Christ is one, okay? One body, not multiple bodies, not multiple uh, may, many members, but mul- uh, just one body. Okay, verse 13, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And here he goes into this where he says, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where were the smelling?" And verse 18, the verse that really God drove home in my own heart and led me to pray for our church along these lines, says this, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor... Again, the, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Whether one member be honored, all the members are rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members of in particular. And he goes on to talk about the different uh, gifts. He gets into that and he says, covet earnestly there in verse 31 the best gifts. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Father, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to uh, try to do my my best to be able to expound what you have done in my own heart and our own ministry. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, speak through the things that are said and done here. I pray, Lord, that people would see past just the vessel that you've chosen to use and and look into what your word teaches about this subject, that it would be uh, something that uh, encourages, challenges, stirs up in each and every one that's here that has trusted Christ, that has these gifts, that you would help them to become active, part, and to truly enjoy the Christian life as you've meant it to be. Be a part of all that you have, both here and wherever you might take them, we pray. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm just going to go through some simple thoughts here for us tonight. And this is just kind of, I'm trying to set this up a little bit uh, for us as we go throughout. And really, a lot of the rest of the week, we're going to actually be breaking down these different gifts. uh, Especially that list in Romans 12. So that list on the far left side there. Uh, We'll be focused really primarily on that. I might touch on some other things, but... um, but I want to uh, challenge us with some simple thoughts here tonight. First thought is this, everyone has a gift from God. Okay? Now, in parentheses, the everyone here is those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. Okay? So, So that we're aware of that, of what we're talking about as I go through this. If you have not, if you're here tonight and you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, can I say this? You're missing out. If you're here and have trusted Christ as your Savior and are not active doing what God wants you to do, you are also missing out. You're missing out. Um, I grew up, you all, a lot of you know, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up going to church since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Uh, I grew up in that kind of setting, and I am thankful for it. Um, but, But becoming active with what God wants me to do, has been one of the things that has been such, um, such a joy. And it really it saddens me sometimes, both in our own church, there are, there are people of our own church who really, they're just there, they just exist, they just come, they leave, that's it, that's all. And I look at them and I'm like, ah, oh, you're missing out on so much. But everybody has a, a gift from God. Everybody has a spiritual gift. Now you, maybe you say, wait, hold on, hold on. Other people have gifts. You know, I see Pastor Barber, and he's got you know this gift of uh, preaching or exhortation or whatever. And you know, I see uh, Rachel, wherever Rachel is, the gift of administration. You know, or you know, I see all these other people. You know, they have gifts, but me? I mean, I don't have any gifts. I'm doing good in the morning if I can tie my own shoes. You know. But everyone has a gift from God. In Ephesians 4, 7, it says this, but unto, can you read the next words with me, the next two words, every one. Let me try that again. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Did it say like 99%? 99 99.9%? It said every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everyone. You can continue on. There's multiple other passages that deal with this. Romans 12.6 is the same. Um, It's a passage that we will look at a little bit later as well. It says this in Romans 12.6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And he goes on to list the gifts. He just says having gifts. He doesn't say like if you have a gift. You know, if you have a gift tonight. And so the first thing I want you to know, and you may not know what your spiritual gifts are. This may be all new to you. This may be like spiritual gifts. Like what are those things? I thought those were what we avoid because like the charismatics like that and run with it. Like I thought we don't talk about those kind of things. Okay. We talk about whatever God's word talks about, right? Now God's word talks about gifts. Okay. Now I realize there's areas that we have to uh, define and be careful, but we are going to look particularly at the gifts that God talks about in his word. And he he does so for a reason. It's for the body of Christ as a whole that the body of Christ can grow as it ought and minister to itself. So first, we all have gifts. Maybe you're sitting here, you don't realize that, but guess what? You do. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you do. You may not know what they are, um, but that doesn't mean you don't have them. Then number two, not everyone understands their gift. I'm sorry about the white and uh, black going on. They're supposed to be behind it. Maybe some uh, color that kind of pops it a little bit better for us, but not everyone understands their gift. Okay? This kind of follows. If, even if you did know your spiritual gifts, not everybody understands their gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, it says this. In that passage, it challenges us. He says this. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, The next phrase says, I would not have you ignorant. You know, the Apostle Paul writing to the church there at Corinth, he says, look, I don't want you to be ignorant about gifts. So that tells me that there's something here that for us is very important to focus on. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. There's ignorance as to the gifting, the use of gifts, the purpose of the gift. It seems to abound here in the church, and that's why he Purposely wrote part of this book of 1 Corinthians, though not everybody understands their gifts in fact, um, I have uh, printed off now that I did not come up with this just so you 're aware of that, uh, not that it makes it any less it actually makes it probably a lot better, but um, nonetheless, I did not come up with this, but somebody came up with a spiritual gift test, and I would find I found it to be fairly accurate, I believe um, and so, I'm gonna, we have these out there. I think Rachel put these out there. I don't know exactly where they are, but somewhere out there. Um, then you can grab one of these. It's just a, ha- it's a full sheet of paper. You, uh, you can flip either side. Obviously, you just start one place. You take the, basically, go down through it, explains the spiritual gifts a little bit, and then you just kind of go through and answer the questions. Okay. Now, there's a little caveat with the gift, the spiritual gift test, because if you are not active doing what God wants you to do, it's going to be very hard to know what your spiritual gifts are. But it's a good place to at least start. And so I'm going to challenge you with that a little bit. And I would challenge you, especially if you're going to come to church camp, to try and take some time and just kind of go through this for yourself. It's really quick. It doesn't take long at all. Uh, But it's something that hopefully can be a really helpful tool um, as we continue to talk to be able to develop that even more. So not everyone understands their spiritual gifts. Um, We'll get into that a lot more because we're going to focus on some of those different aspects of the gifts. And then number three, not everyone understands the reason Of the gift, the reason for the gifts. And here there's a number of things that we could look at. First of all, the gifts are to glorify God. The gifts are to glorify God. You know, when when the church of Jesus Christ functions like it ought, you know who's glorified? God. When it doesn't function like it's supposed to, you know whose name is also drug through the mud? It's not just the Ann Arbor Baptist Church. I hate to tell you that. It's also the name of God. You know, we actually had in our, in our um, area, the church needed some building work. It still does, but we're definitely moving forward on that. I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, but, but the church needed some building work because people in our community, as we did different outreaches and we did different things, we would connect with different people. And as we did that, we heard, I got this feedback and they said uh, about our church, they said, oh, you mean the creepy church? I was trying to explain where we are and stuff. They're like, oh, you mean the creepy church? I was like, the creepy church? Like, that's what our, our neighborhood is calling our church, you know? And it kind of, a little fire under us to like take care of some things, you know? We're like, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't waste money on the church of God, you know, whatever. And, and I remember being challenged though, because as I read through the Old Testament, I was like, there is the, the place where God dwelt in the Old Testament. I'm not trying to say it's the same thing, okay? So please don't misunderstand me. It's not the same thing, but the temple was ornate, it was a testimony to a God on high. Gold covered everything. Gems. I mean, just they had, they had all sorts of ways to do things. It was a well-functioning, oiled oil machine, not because they were trying to draw uh, attention to the state of Israel, but they were representing their God. And you know, the Church of Jesus Christ here, Ann Arbor Baptist Church, if you are a believer, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're a part of uh, this local assembly, God wants to, through this church, have a testimony for himself in this area. People should be able to look at Ann Arbor Baptist Church and not not glorify the people, but instead glorify God. What, what happens here, the way it functions, the way people interact with each other. And you know what I found out over my 11-year period of time? Is that sometimes members have issues with other members. It suddenly went quiet. You know, sometimes you get, you get involved. No, I know, right? Not, not at all, never, not here at Ann Arbor Baptist Church. You know, so-and-so kind of gets on your nerves a little bit. You don't quite understand them and, you know, different aspects of this. Can I tell you, this is just a preamble to some of that we'll go through, is I believe that the different gifts that God has given to the body of Christ can sometimes be at odds with one another. I've seen this in our own ministry. I've even seen this in our own marriage. My wife and I have different gifts, spiritual gifts. And for a little while there, you know, not, not, we, it's never been horrible. We've always had a wonderful relationship, okay? You're all going to be like, you need marriage counseling, whatever. We've, we've always, but there's some things that we just kind of had to work through and understand about each other, and it, and it really helped us. And, you know, we realized that we're not competing. We're on the same team. We're not competing with each other. And sometimes what happens in, in a church body is there's all these different pieces. And I would even say all these different spiritual gifts that are vying for attention and focus. And they're like, oh, we should do this over here. And the other people are like, no, what about this over here and this over here? You know, when all of that is harmonized, when an unselfish edifying of the body of Christ, you know what happens? The world looks on and goes, that's not happening anywhere else in society. Don't we live in a society that is just at odds with one another? Fighting about this and that. It doesn't even matter what you're fighting about. Like, everything. You state anything on social media, anywhere, and instantly you're going to get five people that direct message you and say, you shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't whatever. You're like... But when the church of Jesus Christ functions how God wants it to function, when the gifts are active, how God wants them to be, God is glorified because people look on that and say, wow, that is a God. Their God is a true God. So what happens here at Baptist Church, it's not just about the building, the facilities. It's not just about the, the, the people here. You are a part of something bigger. People see through you a God in heaven, and that may be the only represented, representation that they see. They walk in the church of, they walk in the Ann Arbor Baptist Church to visit and they see two members duking it out in the, in the foyer, okay? I mean, you say not literally. We don't do that around here. We don't duke. Do, we, we have a room in the back actually for that. We go back there. But as the gifts function, as God wants them to function, they will glorify God. The world looks on and says, wow, what a God they serve to glorify God. Much more I can say about that, but I'll move on. But it's also to profit the body of Christ, to, say it this way, to build or to edify the body of Christ. You know what's really neat that I've seen is, as a pastor, I've realized I can only minister to so many people. And as I continue to minister to more and more people, I realize I can actually minister to fewer and fewer. Uh, Katie and I were actually talking about this recently, how in the world we can, we can minister to all the different uh, families and, and couples and people connected to our church. And we just like, there's not enough hours in the day to do all of these other things and this. Like there's just not enough time. And as we've discussed and talked about that, the other thing that I see in our church as a whole is other people that step up and can minister and can do some of those different things. And you know what I've found is Sometimes this actually happens. Now, uh, there's there's uh, when we first got to the church, there was a number of people at the church that wanted to be visited like all the time, and that's fine. I don't mind visiting people. I, I enjoy visiting people. Um, but they want to be visited all the time. And there was one one person in particular that they were there on a Sunday. They got sick on a Monday. They were in the hospital on a Tuesday. Then they were in church on a Wednesday and they were frustrated that somebody didn't visit them in the hospital on Tuesday. I'm like, how was I supposed to know? Like, nobody told me. Like, am I supposed to have this spiritual sense as a pastor that just knows? I mean, God does do that at times. But you know what I've found is when God, God has equipped the church as a whole to minister to itself, and now fast forward a number of years, what I'm finding is this, is I'll go to visit somebody or minister somebody and so-and-so has already brought them a meal. They've already visited them. And I'm like, so my chopped liver? You know, I go there and I say hi, and they're like, where are Katie and Nathan? I'm like, I'm like I guess nobody really wants to see me. Nobody needs to see me. Because the church is ministering to itself. You know, in Ephesians 4.16, that's a well-functioning church, is according to that passage, and I'll just read it for us because I think it's really important. In Ephesians 4.16, as it talks about the church, it says this, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, everybody's involved in this, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying or the building of itself in love. You know, I've often said, and I've said it to our people, my goal as a pastor, pastor is to work myself out of a job. That's my goal is to try and work myself out of a job. Now, no matter how far we go with that, it doesn't seem like we've gotten to that point quite yet, but there are times at which I'm like, wow, I'm just an accessory here. I'm able to show up and everybody else is, God is burdening this person to do that piece and this person to do that piece and this person to do that piece, and it all comes together and why am I here? What am I needed for? The profit, to build the body of Christ as a whole. Further on, God wants to, through this as well, He wants to, uh, the, the church and the use of the gifts as God wants it to, will please God. I don't know about you, but as a believer, there are things that I do sometimes or don't do, not because Scripture inherently says I can or can't do them. Please follow with what I'm saying. But I do them or don't do them because I want to please God. That's my heart. It's not always my heart. I would love to say I'm perfect on that. But I want to please God. And here in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about as God brings together the members, every one of, as it he puts them in the body of Christ, then it says, as it hath pleased him. Could you just imagine with me for a moment, God sitting in heaven, looking down at Ann Arbor Baptist Church, And seeing different ones function in the gifts that God has given to them. And as they function, you know what happens? A smile comes across God's face. So-and-so ministered to so-and-so. You know, they're starting to get it. They're starting to understand why I've placed them there. What they can do through my strength. Please God. Not only please Him, but then to balance or to complete the body of Christ to complete the body of Christ. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, it talks about the, the body is not one member, but many. So there's a, a, uh, a cohesive, uh, a unity that God wants in his body. How many of you have ever had uh, joint pains, body pains, aches, anything like that? Okay, raise your hand. Maybe you can't raise it right now because you're actually experiencing that and my hand has literally fallen asleep so okay when that occurs now just for it's, it's sundry it's probably all sorts of different ways in which that happens for you i remember there was a time in which i, I like to play basketball um and i rolled my ankle really badly I mean, I just, I rolled that sucker, and it's red, it's, it's blue, and it's, it's purple. It's, it's just, you know, you kind of, you walk around, it's kind of sloshing around in your, in your shoe, and just kind of like, it fills out every time. You're just like, oh man, it really hurts. You know, my whole focus, my attention is on my hurt foot. The rest of my body can function well, but because of that hurt member, I can't do a lot of things I thought I would otherwise be able to do. And you know, you as a body of believers here at Ann Arbor Baptist Church, you're not alone in the journey with Christ. It's a participation sport. And you're participating with all the other individuals, all the other members that are here around you. And maybe you're doing it well or maybe you're not. But God wants the gifts that He's given to His church to complete, to balance, to make the the body of Christ whole. To make it be all that God wants it to be. And then last thought here for tonight is this. Not everyone employs their gift. Not everybody puts their gift to use. You know, this uh, uh, visual, I like visuals. I'm a visual person. I like to see visuals. This visual kind of symbolizes all the different gifts there that we'll kind of be looking through in Romans 12, that passage in particular. And as we work through that passage, um, all these different gifts and how they, how they function together, how they put things together. But let me just give you just a, a kind of in closing, just kind of a, a teaser to some of those gifts. As we talk about just, let me give you a particular accident that takes place and how the gifts respond says this, to summarize what the seven spiritual gifts look like, the ones that we're going to focus on this week, this is how they look. Imagine seven people around a dinner table having dinner together. The hostess walks in with a dessert tray. She accidentally spills the tray. How would these seven people that have various gifts, how would they represent each of the seven gifts given in Romans 12, 6-8? How would they respond to this spilling of the dessert? The person with the gift of prophecy might say something like this that's what happened when you're not careful. Might sound a little insensitive that this person has just fallen on the floor and they've just hurt themselves, and he gets over top of it. He's like, See, you need to be more careful. Tie your shoes next time. It's a gift. (laughs) It is not one I readily associate with, but it is. And, and those people are needed in the body of Christ. Okay? So all of these gifts, as we go through them, and we're going to, as we go through the individual gifts, as we continue to work through that, I try and give some, some, some thoughts on how to, how to help people uh, with each particular gift and what that looks like. And so we'll kind of dive into some of those. But his motivation, this this person with the gift of prophecy, his motivation is to convict people of their sin of what they did wrong. It's a gift. It's an important gift, but it's only a piece. It's only a piece. It's only a part of what God wants to do. Okay. Second gift. A person with the gift of serving might say something like this. I'll help you clean it up. Right away, they're down there with a you know, a towel or whatever, and they're, they're wiping right alongside this, this person that is, has that is, uh, just spilled the dessert. They're wiping stuff up and they're helping out. They're like, I'm going to help you out. This person sees the desire to meet a practical need. And just get right in there and do it. The person with the gift of teaching might say, the reason the tray fell on the floor is because you took too many things on this side and you needed to balance the weight more carefully. And he starts to expound with, with the, the, the way gravity works and where he had the hand. You know, he starts to kind of go through all these. Again, an important and helpful and a, and a gift that God has given to his church. But again, all these things have to be in balance one with another. And sometimes these gifts almost fight against each other in any local church. And I believe that um, God wants all of these gifts functioning which is going gonna, gonna to require this. It's going to require love, patience, mercy, grace with one another. Because I don't know about you, but when somebody else, there's, there's times at which I see something some way, and I'm like, why doesn't anybody else see this? I get frustrated. I get frustrated with people. I'm like, why can nobody else see this issue right here? And God kind of had to tap me on the head and say, no, they can't because I've allowed you to see that issue. And we get frustrated with other people rather than just responding how God wants to do it in our own hearts and our lives and doing what God wants us to do. So the the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation would say this, next time we can serve, we can serve the dessert with the meal. Next time just bring the dessert out with the meal. This person gives practical solution to the problem so that it doesn't happen again. The person with the gift of giving will say this, well I'm going to buy everybody a new dessert. He uses his personal assets to meet a practical need. Again, all of these gifts have a part and a function in any local church. The person with the gift of mercy would respond by saying this. Uh, they just go over and they start hugging the hostess and they say, it's okay, don't feel badly. It could happen to anyone. And of course, the person with exhortation or the person with prophecy is like, why are you down there helping? that?" They need to know not to do that again. And they need to don't be soft on that person. <laughs> but you know what? That's, not, that's just a different perspective. It's even a different gift. Both of those are gifts. And can I tell you that as I studied through this and as I worked through this, it really, a light bulb went on for me is that these gifts can really be at odds at a local church. And can I tell you, I'll go a step further and say it this way. I think a lot of local churches, unfortunately, they, they tend to have only one gift and they kick all the other gifts out. They kick them all out. You have, a, you have a church over here that is big on prophecy, and they just cram the truth down people's throats. Praise God for truth. But that's all they're doing. You have a church over here that just loves on people, you know, just, "Oh, I just love on it. Yeah. We're just going to love on everybody. They never give them the truth. That's also a gift, but it's without the balance. And each one of these gifts um, are important and help balance out the others as well. The person with the gift of leading would respond simply this to the spilled dessert and say, uh, Bob, would you get some towels and wipe the table? Mary, can you grab a mop, help out with the floor? Jane, can you go get another dessert? This is the gift of leading, the gift of ruling, administration. There are different ways in which it's said throughout Scripture. But he says this, now remember all the spiritual gifts are necessary for the proper functioning of the body of Christ. And most importantly, God wants to, uh, us to exhibit characteristics of each of these gifts. God has placed gifts in the body of Christ as it pleases Him. You know, there may be, uh, this is just, I'm, now I'm just meddling as a pastor. I can do that there may be that there's somebody else in the congregation that you're at odds with because they see different things than you do. And it really just gets, it, it gets under your skin. I'm not saying there's not times at which members, other members of the body of Christ may be just in error and sinning. But it very well may be this. They have a different gift that God has given to them and that gift is rubbing your gift. You know what? It, throughout my uh, uh Christian life as a whole, the people that I have learned the most from and been helped the most by are the people that I just at first did not understand them at all. I mean, they were people I was like, what planet are you from? You said what? You did what? But you know what? God wants to use those very people to challenge us and to encourage us as well. Maybe be a more balanced Christian and maybe we can do it likewise for them. Not everybody employs their gift. Not everybody puts that gift to use. And it's sad because what ends up happening is the church of Jesus Christ hobbles around on one leg, trying to do what only a two legged person can do. And the rest of the world looks on and they just laugh. Huh. What kind of a God is that? God's given gifts to the body of Christ. And God's given gifts to each one of you who has trusted Christ as your Savior. I trust that I can be helpful this week to just challenge us, encourage us as we look at each one of these gifts and kind of unpack them throughout Scripture. What does that look like? And and asking different questions about it and, and kind of diving into what Scripture teaches about each one of these gifts and really kind of breaking it down for us so that we can understand and hopefully put those gifts into practice. At the end of this series, what I want what I want for those who uh, are sitting here and doing nothing at Antero Baptist Church. I hope at least God awakens something in you that says, look, I've given you this gift, put it to use. Maybe you say, well, I, I can't do it like so-and-so. I can't it. Look, you should just respond to God. He's given you a gift. He wants you to be active and using that gift so that he ultimately can receive the honor and the glory that he's due. And I really trust that it can be a helpful and challenging series as we continue to move through these. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Holy Father, I'm thankful for uh, just the opportunity to be able to try to do the best I can to impart some of the things that you've given to me. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to and through me, even through this week. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work in hearts and lives that only you can do, that you would challenge some to stand up and to do those things that you're already prompting them to do. Maybe for others that it's uh, to recognize that others may have another perspective and that they need to uh, be balanced rather than be fighting with that fellow believer. Lord, I pray that you just continue to work in each one of our hearts uh, far beyond this that would uh, just allow us the opportunity to fully display you to this world so that you can receive the honor and the glory that you're due. We pray. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.